It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This season, get football in your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass. Start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. You are locked on Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we're going to spend the top of the show looking ahead to another tough matchup for this offensive line. Everyone is talking about the Bengals offensive line. Turns out they're not the worst in the league, at least according to ESPN, but they face PFF's second-ranked pass rush this week. That's where we're going to start the show. We'll get into your questions. We'll get into it with Anthony Tresh from PFF, who wrote the article about how the Bengals could play to Joe Burrow's strengths in the NFL, so we've got a packed show for you coming your way. Before we get started, James, still got to tell the people about this amazing Joe Burrow collectible football. Got Joe Burrow on one side, got the Bengals and their history on another side, got a great picture of Paul Brown Stadium on the third panel. This thing is a beauty for collectors. It's a must-have for collectors, for Bengals fans everywhere. It's a full-size football, only 99 bucks. And all you have to do to get one is call 1-800-345-2868, and you can do it right now. They're selling like crazy, and they're limited, so make sure you call now, 1-800-345-2868. You can also order online at nikosports.com. That's N-I-K-C-O-Sports.com, and be sure to mention the Locked On Bengals podcast. I think it's pretty cool that there are companies making cool collectible things for Joe Burrow. I mean, that's that's the kind of big deal he is. Obviously, we're spending a lot of time talking about him. We love talking about him. He's a lot of fun to have on the Bengals football team. But we got to get started with his protection this week, James, as we don't really know yet who's going to be playing right guard. And it'll be a tough test for the Bengals in this Philly defensive line on Sunday. PFF has the Eagles pass rush as the second highest graded pass rush in the NFL behind only the Steelers who the Bengals only have to play twice this year. That's ahead of the Los Angeles Chargers who have obviously thrashed two teams in the pass rush, both the Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs in week two and the Browns who have a pretty good defensive line themselves. The Eagles better pass rush grades than all of those teams. And they're anchored by Josh Sweat. And, and I think a lot of Bengals fans might not be aware of this guy. The highest graded consistent pass rusher on the Eagles team, 89.7 pass rushing grade. He is also accompanied, of course, by Brandon Graham, who hasn't been quite himself this year, getting up there in age a little bit. And then the defensive interior for Philly, Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, and the free agent acquisition, Javon Hargrave. From Pittsburgh. I mean, that is a handful, and the Bengals are in for it again this week. They are, Jake. And to me, it's kind of funny. You look at them, 
And that's kind of what the Bengals were hoping to have on their defensive line, right? Is a couple of really good edge rushers, uh, interior, and a guy like Geno Atkins compares to to Fletcher Cox, you know, from a an age standpoint and what he's done in this league and reputation. And and, and it's just not there right now for the Bengals. And it's going to be a really tough test. You talk about this offensive line. They've had some time to recover from what happened against the Browns and what happened four days prior to that against the Chargers. And the big question, is Fred Johnson going to start again? He's listed number one on the depth chart, which you could take that with a grain of salt. But is Fred Johnson going to start again at right guard? It's interesting. I talked to some people, and part of the reason why he might have got the start there is because they felt like he was their fifth best lineman. And if you can get your best guys on the field, but he certainly didn't look like it in his debut at guard. So we'll see if he can improve against a, a really tough, tough defensive line here in the Eagles. It was just awkward. And it, and it might've been a communication mm-hmm. thing. Like he and Bobby Hart clearly had a really hard time with stunts. And he also got ran over a few times. It's just, I mean, he's such a big guy to ask him to play inside, but he also has some movement issues. So I kind of can see it both ways. Now talking about that PFF grade that put a lot of fear into folks and, if you, if you look at defensive line tier list compared to offensive line tier list should also put some fear into Bengals fans and this coaching staff as a game plan for this week. But in week two, Philadelphia's pass rush kind of took a step back. They got good games from the interior and Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson, those interior guys I talked about earlier. Javon Hargrave is also a breakout waiting to happen. But the edge guys, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, and Derek Barnett, who might have been battling through an injury, weren't very productive in the pass rush in week two. So maybe, maybe this was a week one flash in the pan, but those interior guys, Fletcher Cox in particular for these guards who had a really bad week two themselves for the Bengals is going to pose problems. And the big question is how do they handle it? You, you mentioned Fred Johnson. They, they bring Alex Redman back into the fold. There's of course, Billy Price as an option. Hakeem Adenergy is a guy that already, Bengals fans clamoring for the sixth round pick to get his shot. And we don't know yet what way the Bengals are going to go. They haven't had their Wednesday practice yet. That might give us some indication there, but I think Fred Johnson is still at the top of that depth chart on Bengals.com. And Jake, it was interesting. Something you sent me before the show. Uh, ESPN did the, the percentages, the pass block run block win rates for all these defenses in the NFL and the Bengals surprisingly not last. They come in at, at pass block win rate uh, at 54%. That's good for 21st in the league. They're right there with Carolina and San Francisco. They're ahead of teams like the 49ers, Raiders, like uh, the Ravens, which I think a lot of people would be shocked about, Chiefs as well, uh, and then teams like the Texans and Dolphins at the end. And then the team run block win rate, and this is crazy to me because the run game has struggled, and yet the Bengals are 17th. Uh, at 70% uh, of the time winning, which is ahead of the Saints. It's ahead of the Buccaneers, the Cowboys. I mean, some decent teams that you're expecting to to do damage in January. And I think think that part is surprising and and something you mentioned as well, take into account everyone listening to this, that the ball is coming out quick, which does help that percentage, but still something worth uh, worth considering when ESPN breaks down the numbers and the Bengals aren't last uh, or even in the, you know, the bottom – five or six of the league you know i would take 21st best offensive line in the league and i don't think they've been that but this number reflects it 
Yeah, I think it there, there's some eye test versus ESPN metric um, discrepancy, let's say. So we'll have to see how that bears out for the rest of the season, see if the stat corrects itself a little bit. I, I think there's something to it. I'm just not sure quite how accurate it is. I don't know what goes into it. I, I don't know what the definitions are off the top of my head. I, I could look into it a little bit further, and I will going forward. I think it has to do with like whether they sustain the block for two and a half seconds after the snap or something like that for pass block win rate. So some things to keep in mind, but maybe if you're not watching other NFL teams, especially maybe the way that the Bengals are calling offense and the way Joe Burrow's playing, it is actually protecting the offensive line enough that they don't look like the worst in the league, despite what our eyes tell us. And, and certainly it can be tough to watch at times. Coming up next, a PFF senior college analyst, Anthony Tresh, who wrote a great article about Joe Burrow and how the Bengals could build a Super Bowl team around him back in February, wrote another piece on some takeaways from the Thursday night football game, joins us for a conversation about Joe Burrow and how the Bengals coaching staff has done acclimating him and making him comfortable in the NFL. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays or see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes going inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the NFL's best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, and Devontae Adams. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're now joined by PFF's senior college analyst, Anthony Tresh, who we talked about your article, which I loved, around the draft time. What the Bengals could have done to introduce Joe Burrow to the league, let him hit the ground running. Before we get to that and what the Bengals have done for two weeks, how's it going? How's it been watching Joe Burrow be a professional quarterback? What well, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, it's been going pretty good. I mean, I I wasn't sure how I should kind of ex- what to expect right away, just because I mean we had a limited off season there, and of course no preseason games, and it's the most important position on the field. And I mean, getting a little baptized by fire there too, especially with the offensive line the Bengals have. But I mean, given all of the circumstances, it it couldn't have been much. Joe Burrow's start couldn't have been really much better than what it has been. I mean, there's been a few. I mean, head-scratching mistakes. Of course, you know, the Melvin Ingram interception, that little pitch, that probably shouldn't have happened. That was kind of the welcome to the NFL moment type of thing. You can't really get away with that here. But, I mean, looking at what he's done, 
it, it definitely could have gone better in certain areas, but it could have been worse. And when you're looking at his short and intermediate passing, it's been exceptional. I mean, he's been one of the five highest graded quarterbacks in the NFL so far on throws that weren't a deep pass, you know, over 20 yards downfield. I mean, he's been accurate with the ball just like he was at LSU. So, I mean, it's been great so far. I, I think, you know, the, I think we found out there's more bigger issues with the Cincinnati Bengals than quarterback now at this point. But yeah, I mean, I've been impressed so far. Anthony, what, what about the coaching staff? Cause obviously, you know, there were high expectations for Joe Burrow. You already mentioned the offensive line, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan tried to tailor this playbook to Burrow's strengths. Uh, what do you think of their job so far and what grade would you give them after two weeks? Yeah, I, th- I think I would probably put it somewhere in that. I would probably put it at a B. Um, when you're looking at, you know, what Joe Burrow did with Joe Brady down at LSU, they, I mean, they spread that thing out. They had five-man protections. And, you know, most people think when there's five-man protections, yeah, I mean, you're going to give up more pressure, at least more sacks. But it's actually the inverse. You invite in less pressure. You have less sacks. You have more receivers out there and let Joe Burrow go to work. And that, that's what the Cincinnati Bengals have done. I mean, they, they've had five uh, pass five-man protections at a higher rate than anyone else so far in the NFL. So, I mean, you can tell they're really trying to cater to his strengths. And I, I really loved back at the draft when they took T. Higgins 33rd overall. I mean, they could have went a whole – I mean, a, a bunch of different avenues there. I, I thought for sure there was no way they were taking a wide receiver, especially with reportedly A.J. Green coming back at the time. So, I mean, it was – I didn't think it was going to happen. And they did it. And that's exactly what we here at PFF would have done. It's one of the most valuable positions on the field outside of quarterback. So, I mean, I think given what they've done, I mean, you could tell, I mean, obviously they're trying their best to put them in a position to succeed. You know, they could have done a little bit more on the offensive line front, especially back in free agency with who was uh, available at the time. But I mean, overall, I mean, it, it, I've, I've seen worse coaching staffs do worse with young quarterbacks. So, I mean, it's, it, again, it hasn't been great, but it's been good. So I'd probably put it in that B range. And I think that's going to be surprising for, for some of the fans that are like, oh, Zach, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, get him out of there. You know, they can't get the offense going. <laughs> and I do have some concerns. I think that watching, especially against Cleveland, when that pressure really starts to add up in two games, it's, unrelent- it's unrelenting. Relentless pressure from Miles Garrett, from Joey Bosa, from Melvin Ingram, from Sheldon Richardson, you name it, right? There's a few rookie lessons that he's learning. That little shovel pass you talked about, uh, taking that sack, trying to put a spin move on Sheldon Richardson in the open field with Miles Garrett trying to chase him in pursuit. I mean, that's never going to work, right? So these these are rookie things that he has to learn. But the one thing that stands out to me that that you kind of mentioned by omission is the deep ball isn't there yet. One of 12, I think, on, on deep targets, that one being a beautiful throw to CJ Uzama. Really good in the intermediate game, really good in the short game, but I think he's passed up some opportunities deep, and I wonder if they're overemphasizing the quick game or if that's just Joe Burrow reacting to the fact that he doesn't believe he's going to have time. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely the fact that he doesn't have time, and that's a great point. I mean, when you're looking at, well, I mean, his time to throw stuff and all of that, it, of those 12 deep passes, I think it was somewhere around nine or under two and a half seconds. And he, he's averaging one of the quickest time to throws on those deep passes when he's in, when he's in a clean pocket going to his first read because he can, he knows not, not for too long, someone's getting beat on the offensive line and the pass rushers coming and trying to knock him out. So he's trying to get rid of that ball as quickly as he can. He's just getting hurried way too quickly 
you know, I mean, you need to have ample time to really set up that deep throw. And he just really has not had that. And so I, I'm, I would put some of it on Joe Burrow, but I think overall I would put the most blame on the offensive line just because the amount of quick pressures they've allowed in the first two weeks is it's, it's honestly incredible. And it's not going to get any easier for him next week. I would say this is probably the hardest, you know, defensive line they're going to face besides the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. I mean, the field of the Eagles have the second highest pass rush grade right now. And that's even with, Javon Hargrave, who was kind of quiet last week, coming off of an injury, and Brandon Graham, he hasn't been his normal self. So I think it's going to get a little bit uglier on the offensive line front, and I wouldn't expect that deep ball to really come back maybe for a few more weeks, you know, just to give, you know, I think Jonah Williams, he's done an exceptional job. But, I mean, we have to consider the fact he didn't even play last year, and he was in college the year before that. He's still getting acclimated, you know, to the NFL level, but he's done a great job, and I think he's only going to get better from here, which will certainly help things. So, you know, it's it's definitely the time issue, in my opinion. When you look at the data, that's that's really what it says too. I mean, when he does push it downfield, it's incredibly quick, one of the quickest in the NFL. So, Anthony, what would you do if if you're this offensive staff to make it easier on Joe Burrow? Because the, you know, a lot of fans are saying, "Well, cut Bobby Hart." Well, the coaching staff feels like Bobby Hart's the, their best option at right tackle right now, and that might not be a good option, but that's who they're rolling with at least. Uh, this Sunday against the Eagles. So what would you do to try to alleviate some of that pressure and make things a little easier on the rookie? Yeah, I think they're doing a, I mean, they're doing a good job. I, if, you know, before the season, I would, this is exactly what I said they needed to do to try and, you know, kind of alleviate that. But I, I think, you know, kind of doing a little bit more, incorporating more play action passes, I think will certainly help. I mean, that always leads to, you know, more efficiency in the passing attack. And that really creates stuff downfield I think that's one area to grow and I know some Bengals fans weren't a fan of that last year because it was you know they thought Zach Taylor was trying to be Sean McVay over at the Los Angeles Rams I, I heard numerous people say that but I think that's a, that's one way to go I think you're going to see a few more deep passes opened up in that regard um, but it, but again it's really hard to do it with this offensive line and if we want to go extreme I mean they could make a move and try and trade for somebody who's available. I'm not sure who would be on the trading block at this moment in time, maybe a few weeks down the road. I mean, that's just how, how bad the situation is as some of the alignments like Bobby Hart, you know, Michael Jordan, that left guard has not been good at all. So, I mean, it's, it's been bad. I think if you want to go extreme, you have to make a move. And definitely at this point, if you, you ask me who they're going to take in the 2021 NFL draft, I'm definitely saying, you know, they're, they're taking an offensive line and there's no doubt about that. Just because I think the city of Cincinnati would probably burn down if they didn't. You mentioned play action there. You mentioned that the coaches and Joe Burrow are working with the offensive line they have. And in week one, in the especially early in week one, the only passing offense that seemed to work at all for the Bengals came on a few run pass option plays. And in week two, in just straight up read options, I don't think there was a pass option built into a couple of these. I think Joe Burrow actually made the wrong read a few times. Run pass options, big part of the offense at LSU. One of the things you wrote about how often are the Bengals using that concept and should they use it a little bit more going forward? Yeah, they're definitely not using it enough. I don't know the number or the rate at the top of my head, but it's definitely nowhere near, you know, the, the Andy Reeds of the world and that coaching tree. Cause they, they're always at the top of the NFL right around that 15 to 20% range. I think they definitely have room to increase that just because, I mean, when you're looking at what Joe Burrow did at LSU, that was their bread and butter. And of course, I mean, RPOs are vastly different at the collegiate level versus the NFL level just because you have the offensive line blocking real downfield. You're going to get flagged the more times you pull at the NFL level. But I, but still, 
I think that's another way to really kind of increase the efficiency and move the ball more. Um, like you said, we saw a few plays of that, and that, those were the, some of the most efficient plays of the game. So I think, you know, incorporating those play-action passes, run-pass options, and, you know, we've seen his mobility. I would, I would even like to even see some more zone reads in there, too. I mean, we, we see what you can do there. So I, I think there's more, more room to get a little bit more creative within, you know, the play calling there. And when you're looking at, you know, the expected points added on a per-play basis, it kind of backs that up that, you know, the play calling hasn't been as strong as what it could be. So I think kind of incorporating more of those things would certainly help. I know one thing that I'm going to be watching is if they can get anything downfield going at all. You talk about the EPA per play. That's the one reason I think that Joe Burrow is really struggling in that area so far. But as a rookie, I I think I'm impressed. And you still have the pin tweet. Imagine taking a non-QB over Joe Burrow with the first overall pick in the draft. That's from December 6, 2019, before the Bengals had it locked up. Go follow Anthony Tresh on Twitter, PFF Anthony, PFF underscore Anthony. Check out his pinned tweet. Anthony, thanks for being a Joe Burrow fan. Really appreciate all the work you've done over at PFF. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This was fun. Good stuff from Anthony. Up next, your questions in our weekly mailbag here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. But don't forget, it's time to invest in your intuition. Use promo code Locked On and double your first deposit New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. And before we get into your questions, just another reminder that that limited time Joe Burrow football is selling. And if you want your own collector's item with Joe Burrow's picture on it in his rookie year, with the Bengals history on it, with a picture of Paul Brown Stadium, now's your time to get it. These are a limited edition. And for only $99, you can get your hands on one perfect for your office or man cave. So be sure to call 1-800-345-2868. That number is 1-800-345-2868. Tell them that Locked on Bengals sent you. You can also order online at nikosports.com. That's N-I-K-C-O sports.com. And be sure to mention the Locked on Bengals podcast. It's time for our weekly mailbag here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bengals each and every week so you can get your questions in. And Jake, let's start with Andrew Wells at and Wells89 on Twitter. I assume it's because he's a big Drew Sample fan with the number 89 at the end of his handle. Andrew asks, how do Joe Burrow's stats rank compared to other notable number one draft pick quarterbacks through their first two starts? You know, I'm not going to dispute that Andrew is a Drew Sample fan. I know he's a Bengals fan, but I think, James, it might be that he was born in 1989. Just a guess. I, I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I'll t- I, no, I'm betting that he's a, a Drew Sample fan. Die hard. Drew, he saw Drew, that performance on Thursday night, seven receptions. Boom, changed his Twitter handle. All right, so there you go. Andrew Wells, uh, Drew Sample super fan. You heard it here first. So, so I looked at this for the last five years. Looked at the first QB take in the last five years. Joe Burrow is completing 62% of his passes. He has a passer rating of 81.5, and he's taken six sacks. He, he's got uh, 5.4 adjusted yards per attempt, which is actually pretty bad. He's got 15 rushes for 65 yards and a touchdown, and he's fumbled three times. Uh, I think only one of those came on an actual strip sack because – 
One of them was that play that he kind of threw backwards in week one to Joe Mixon and the other one, I think. I think that he gets the fumble on the botch snap when he tried to call the timeout. I think those are all the fumbles. So, so that's Joe Burrow's line. And let's look at Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Mitch Trubisky, and Jared Goff next. So Kyler Murray's first two games in the NFL, he completed just 57% of his passes on, on 94 attempts. So, so actually pretty similar numbers there. Joe Burrow, 97 attempts in two games. Kyler Murray, 94 attempts in two games. So, so both guys had huge volume passing games early in their careers. And Kyler was a little bit less uh, accurate, you could say, overall with the completion percentage. But his adjusted yards per attempt is higher. He had seven, nearly seven adjusted yards per attempt. So some of his downfield shots actually connected. It wasn't forced to go underneath all day. He took eight sacks. So he, he was actually sacked twice more than Joe Burrow. His quarterback rating was 81.7, very similar to Joe Burrow. And he had just six rushes for 17 yards. So Joe Burrow dramatically outscrambling Kyler Murray. Both of them threw one interception in their first two games. Next up is Baker Mayfield, who threw the ball just 64 times in his first two games in the NFL. One of those coming off the bench. So I guess this isn't technically the first two starts, but he did come off the bench pretty early in that game. And he had two touchdowns, two interceptions, passer rating 81, very similar to Joe Burrow. Adjusted yards per attempt, nearly seven again. So he's got an edge there. Didn't rush for anything noteworthy. Also had three fumbles, including two fumbles lost. So some similarities we're we're finding here. Mitch Trubisky completed just 48.7% of his passes in his first two games. He only threw 41 passes. Very bad start to the career for Mitch Trubisky, which included one game where he only threw 16 passes. So they were clearly trying to protect him there early on. He ran the ball pretty well, though. Seven rushes for 54 yards. That's 7.7 yards per attempt. He did have one interception, three fumbles, two lost, and a passer rating of 73.3%. So I would say safely that Joe Burrows outperformed Mitch Trubisky's first couple games in the NFL. Last one, Jared Goff, 58% completion percentage. Adjusted yards per attempt, 5.7. That's actually pretty close to Joe Burrow. Has a fumble loss as well. One interception, took just four sacks. So I think there's a theme here. Quarterback ratings in the low 80s for the most part. Joe Burrow, highest completion percentage, I believe, out of any of these guys. But as we've mentioned, a lot of underneath stuff leading to a lot of short yardage leads to that adjusted yards per attempt being a little bit lower. And we're seeing a little bit better rushing productivity from Joe Burrow early in his career than we saw from some of these other guys. Promising start, I'd say. Absolutely. And the the surprising thing to me was the the outscrambling Kyler Murray. I told you how big of a fan I am of Murray and the dude can fly. I mean, you, you talk about a guy who's got all the arm talent in the world, doesn't get hit and can run all over the field. That's shocking to me that Burrow's done that, but it is a testament. I, I think Burrow is a really good athlete. You know, he's not the scrambler that Lamar or Kyler is, uh, you know, on the field, but He's a high-end athlete and a guy that can get it done. And I think that's what separates him from a guy like Jared Goff. Could have similar numbers, but when things break down, he can move. And he can make plays with his feet, which is something Goff can't do. Our next question comes from Ronnie Swango on Twitter at Ronson92. Looking to next offseason with obvious holes on the offensive line and defensive line, which do you try to fix primarily through free agency and which do you try to fix through the draft he's not waving the flag on the season he wants everyone to know that but the issues he says are obvious they are obvious let's start with the offensive line both the answer is both i I need you to invest more money in the trenches 
while Joe Burrow's on a rookie contract and obviously draft picks. And that could mean spending significant coin on, uh, you know, the interior of that line, bringing in uh, a higher end guard, which is something the Bengals haven't done or spending a premium draft pick on a guard that you think is going to come in and be a day one starter in, in game record and game changer. Obviously everyone connects the Bengals to Penny Sewell from Oregon, a guy who's projected to be a top five pick. Well, what if they're not picking in the top five? I'm not banking on that. You know what I'm banking on them going out. And I, I admit I haven't looked at free agency, but them going out being proactive in either signing a free agent or trading for someone that can come in and be an upgrade because Jonah Williams looks like he's the real deal. And hopefully you feel that way after 14 more games. Trey Hopkins looks like he can be the center of the the president in future for the foreseeable future. You need to anchor some of these other spots. So I would do both. And I think that's kind of the key. On the flip side, defensive line, well, you spend a ton of money, right? You know, Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap will still be under contract at that time, assuming they're still around. Sam Hubbard is a guy that you're looking to potentially extend. After this season, we'll see. Carl Lawson's obviously a free agent to be, so we'll see what happens there. But they've invested a lot of money in this defensive line. You know, DJ Reader, Geno Atkins, uh, Carlos Dunlap. So to me, I would draft. I would try to get younger there. I would try to have guys that could come in and contribute maybe in year one, and then year two, maybe they take the baton from a Carlos Dunlap. They take the baton and and join uh, a Sam Hubbard as the future of this Bengals defensive line along with DJ reader. So that's kind of my overview of it. Obviously that can change that, you know, depending on who's available and all those things in context matters, but that's, that's where I would view it. I'd say both for the offensive line, given how important it is. And, and I would tend to say defensive line wise, go with the draft. We're looking way in the future too, right? This is, this is <laughs> entire episodes, entire weeks of content after the season come January. So we'll revisit them. Next question, Tony on Twitter says, the Bengals don't look like they're running the Rams offense anymore. No play action, bootlegs, tight formations. The Browns look more like the Rams than we did. Am I right? So it's funny you should ask because there's this project, Eric Eager, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago from PFF, data scientist. He's been working on this year comparing schematically similar offenses. And the Bengals this year are pretty far away from the Los Angeles Rams. So Browns significantly closer to the Los Angeles Rams. So it's funny that you mentioned those two teams. Schematically, according to this scatterplot analysis that Eric has, the Bengals are closest to the Colts, maybe the Cowboys, in terms of schematics of the offense. They're not doing much pre-snap motion. And you mentioned play action. The Bengals are fourth lowest in the NFL in play action. You compare that to the Rams, the top. Jared Goff in play action in 2020 so some significant departures and i honestly would like to see some of those little bits of that rams offense come back our last question comes from lorenzo sores on twitter now that mixon got paid i've got mixed feelings on this what are your opinions on how zach taylor's been using him specifically in the passing game i hate it it's absolutely awful and i need to see more of what they did in the first half against the browns Because I like that. I like giving Joe Mixon an option route. And and it doesn't mean the ball has to go to Joe Mixon every time. But give him some of those option routes where he can just read the backer or read who's guarding him and pick a lane. Because I I think it helps the offensive line. I think it helps get Joe Burrow into a rhythm. And it gets probably your best player the ball. And 
with this offensive line, it's going to be hard to run the ball consistently. So any way you can get 28 involved, you know, not that he's going to be this, you know, guy that's getting 35 touches a game. I'm not thinking that, but four receptions, 40 yards in the first half of that Browns game, didn't get any targets in the passing game that second half. That's how he can make an imprint. And I hope they get him involved more like they did in the first half moving forward game in and game out. Yeah, I think everybody saw what Mixon can do with the ball in his hands in space. He makes guys miss if he can get ahead of steam going. The running game, you know, got to get that going a little bit too. But I think that we have to give that a little bit more time. The game scripts have been pretty unfavorable for for Joe Mixon and this offensive line in the running game. And so so has the opposition been, frankly. But we'll see if they can get that going the rest of the year here, coming off the mini-bye week after Thursday night football. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, we've got the crossover with Louis DiBiase from Locked On Eagles coming your way with James Rapine. Look forward to that one. Get some insight into this Eagles defense. And Carson Wentz, will he right the ship like Baker Mayfield did, or will he remain really a, a struggling player in week three? That's coming your way tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.